Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Oh, yeah. I believe we're live here, Mitch. We're on a, you know, a special edition of Dynasty Theory tonight, ready to disrupt the show. Coach Dan here with my main man, Dino MC. Mitch, how are we feeling tonight, uh, taking the, filling the shoes of JB? Tonight is going to be a great night. I don't know if either of us will be able to talk enough to make it last for an hour, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that, you know, John is represented in these trade talks that we're going to be bringing up. That might get us like the greatest ratings ever that we strive for tonight without JB. Packy's already on here calling it an amazing night. Look, our listeners know tonight's going to be amazing. Maybe 30 minutes and not an hour, we'll double our ratings. So we'll, we'll try it out here tonight. But how you doing, man? I'm excited. I know you were, you were on a little Dynasty chill lately. Well, well, JB, you know, he's out at the beach taking time off while we're working our tails off here. Yeah, he was actually chilling. I had the honor of being on Dynasty and Chill with Scott Connor last night. That that shows a lot of fun. And it just got me really revved up because we are getting into the trading portion of the offseason. You know, I don't want to be doing startups pretty much as soon as training camp starts. I don't want to be doing any because there's constant news and I want to be working on the teams that I already have instead of worrying about a whole new team to go draft at that point. Well, man, you represented Dynasty Theory very well on Dynasty and Chill. You gave me a lot of things to, to think about and uh, looking at my roster ship and so forth. But now going into tonight, thinking about trades, this might be a little bit of an intervention tonight, Mitch, because, uh, you know, I'm a little bit of a controversial tra- trader uh, throughout bit. times there. But I think it's because I view trades a little bit different than most people. I'm um, just listening to a lot of podcasts today. I feel like the Dynasty uh world there just kind of pegs players in a slot and, mm-hmm. and that's where they're at you know and, and it's like fantasy analysts versus i take this coach's perspective of thinking about recruiting and competition and player development and like mind you training camp hasn't started yet position battles have yet to play out uh, you know we don't know what coaches are going to be on the hot seat and then how things are going to evolve so for me, it's like I'm projecting ahead a little bit more instead of pegging a guy that this is where he's at now and, and this is where he stays. What's, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you're like easily the most active trader that I know. And I actually think you get more deals done, even though maybe the deals that you send at first aren't matching up with the other's values, you're able to adjust really quickly. And so going into this time of year, it's like so much of it is news related. And it's really just based on what we're reading. And we're not getting news from coaches right now. We're getting news from beat writers. If there's a headline out there right now, it is not because the coach said something. It's because a beat writer was asked to write something for The Athletic. And it was pulled off there. A couple, a few months ago, all the ESPN writers were asked to write a hot take. I mean, that was their job to write a hot take. And I don't even remember what it was, but one of the hot takes for the Rams like blew up on Twitter and everyone took it for what it was said. And the, the beat writer came on and was like, no, like that is not what that was about. It was just a hot take. And so I think that's something we really need to be on top of when we're doing, because that's what I think a lot of the trades are be based on. And, and that's a good point there. And I think that is one of the many advantages of following us regularly. You know, some shows take a little break at different points of the year because the news is less. 
we choose to kind of grind during that time. And the games that we watched last year, in my mind, that film study didn't go away. Mm-hmm. So you and John, even though we're not going to talk about him too much because he's fired tonight, he's at the beach. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll bring him back next next episode. But you know, the film and the analytics, we're crunching it. We're changing our rankings throughout. We're getting new information as we have it. So then as those little hot, like 32 ESPN hot takes come out that you mentioned, it's deciphering, okay, which one of them have substance? Mm-hmm. And if there is any substance, if there's, you know, because beat writers are funny too, man. Some of them are getting the clicks and some of them are, I don't know, they have, I don't know if their creativity is lacking to write something, but then some mm-hmm. of them really put out some good substance. So knowing who's giving you something good, and that's when it turns into the trade advice that helps. So I think, you know, we could talk a little bit of that tonight of what's substance and what's not mm-hmm. and how do we use it for trade. So so I think that's really important. But, yeah, I'm like that heavy that boxer, man, that like going for the knockout. You know, I, I, my punch percentage may be low, Mitch, but my knockout, my my what do you call them? Those like, you know, heavy hitting punches, that total is high. And, and I've enjoyed a lot of the, the trade activity I've been able to make. But owners like you, Mitch, go in with an open mind and you're like, all right you know, Dan's smoking something tonight. I'm just going to ignore this one or, you know, all right, we got something here. I'll counter, but I, I think it's good to go into an open mind. And that probably takes us to the first question, deal killer. What kind of trade offers kills the deal before it even starts? So kick us off, Mitch, man. What, what comes to mind for you? And don't start I, with me. Don't start with me either. I won't. I won't. I, Cause I actually think your answer to this would be really, I want to know what it is because you do so many trades. I don't know if you actually have a deal killer, but mine is when someone shows up with a used car salesman approach and they're like, Hey, I want, let's just say Carlos Hyde off your team. And then in the whole speech, he's just sitting there knocking Carlos Hyde during the whole paragraph that he wrote during the trade proposal. And I'm like, why are you trying to trade for my player? And then telling me he sucks the same time. Whenever that happens, I just, immediately decline the trade and move on because I already know he's trying to get him at a huge discount when if I want to trade him at a huge discount, he probably wouldn't be on my team already. Yeah. You're probably giving owners some good advice there. And like some of your thoughts, like that owner's thoughts on Carlos Hyde, where he wanted him in a trade, but then he's, he's dogging him on you there Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, why would I want Carlos Hyde? He's older. He's only got another year or two, yada, yada, yada. It'd probably be better more to his advantage to say, you know, just keep it simple. Keep a little bit of his thoughts on Carlos Hyde because that's the other beauty of playing fantasy football. You know, as much as you, John, and I get along tremendously, and I think overall we, we share like a core philosophy mm-hmm. together, we've got three different perceptions of, of players, and they're all right and wrong at different times. You know, you will be on the show and be like, oh, man, Mitch was right on that guy. John was right on that guy. Don, Dan was right or they were, you know, Dan was wrong. But that's part of that analysis. You know, hey, what's your take on Carlos Hyde? That's fine, but don't overkill it in a trade. So I can see that definitely being a turnoff. What else uh, kills a deal for you? That's really the biggest one for me. But I know for you, like you send out a lot of trades. And we've seen in group chats to where people are like, dude, Dan, what was that offer? So what can someone send you that would actually just completely kill the trade and you're like nope i'm not gonna do it killing it to me you know there's a variety of things and it's not as simple as the question states i mean lopsided offers that we talk about obviously kill could kill a trade and there you know i catch myself sometimes like yeah all right i I was a little too far off the deep end there but it kind of kills it like that lack of willingness to make a counter or Mm -hmm. even make an offer 
Um, I, I think, you know, some owners maybe not studying as much as they should be in the offseason. They're afraid to trade. So, like, so many trades just go to Dimitch because, you know, the guy's on vacation. He's not checking his roster in the offseason. He has no confidence to pull the trigger. Um, there's so many things that go into it that just trades die before they even start. But, like, attitude's one, one piece for me that kills a trade. When Like, when you just get those comments in there. And I, I think it's really important to remember, like, we're in this – together as a league whether it's 12 14 or 16 teams and that's something i've really enjoyed that brotherhood that's grown over time you know it's like so i send out 50 trades some of them are off you know you could bust my chops you know tj in our leagues has grown to say hey i know where dan's coming from on these trades there's a couple other owners that say hey you know i like that dan does it because at least he's keeping the league active and it's Mm -hmm. a conversation starter so i think it's having that open minus too is very important and not you know getting fired up at mitch dan or john because i don't like the trade at least we're keeping active and, and, and keeping trade talk going i think that's really important and that probably takes us to communication next mitch do you communicate before sending a trade honestly i don't i mean certain leagues i do just because i personally know the owners in those leagues and so i'm you know kind of on a friendly basis with them to where i could be like hey what are your thoughts on this player and then they could immediately be like well no i'm not really interested in all i'm like okay but i play in a lot of safe leagues and a lot of safe leagues i don't know the individual managers in those leagues and so those ones, I'll just blast out offers. Those are the leagues to where instead of sending specific offers to one manager, I'll send three or four to different managers just hoping to get a bite because those leagues turn to being kind of, I think, less active than other leagues. But those are the leagues to where I think you could get more equity on your trades just because of the type of players that you're playing with in those leagues. Yeah, I like that they say you blast out a few trades at once. I, I think that's that just stirs up a few owners going. Mm-hmm. You know, we're normally in a group chat, and it's not just like you send out one trade, you don't get an answer, and it gets you know, or it gets declined, and then boom, trading stops. You send three or four, you're increasing your odds. I know you'll see me do that in the group mm-hmm. chat where some nights I'll send like six, seven at you know direct messages there to teams, just trying to get things stirred up and. I try to find different offers that I think might go and and we make that happen. But John, you know, why do I got to bring up John Bauer again, man? You know, he, again. He, 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 you know, he's having a few beverages right now, kicking his feet up. He's so OCD. He's probably listening to make sure we don't sabotage the show. Oh, he sure probably, he is. His finger's probably on the trigger ready to come in here. If, if, if we, if we do something wrong or segue to the DFS special we were talking about, but he is a good communicator. Like he'll, I like his little group me messages, and I guess this is how we'll, we'll keep John in because you know he would be talking about this. But he will mm-hmm. say, hey, um, pick a guy on my roster that you're interested in, and I will send you a trade. Yes, That's a nice little uh, tactic John has there to say, okay, because some teams don't like putting out those trade offers or they're not sure they want to trade, but they don't like being the one putting out the offer. So John will say, hey, name my guy on my roster, and I will send you a, a trade. And, and John, I give him to his credit too, sends out, for the most part, pretty fair trades. Whether you like them or not, they're like what he thinks is you know fair value and uh, you either take it or you don't. But I think that's definitely a good communication tactic. And I also appreciate when, say, if you and I are negotiating tonight, Mitch, and we'll, we'll go back and forth with you know reject, 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 but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be countering each other so we know oh, there's yeah. something to it. But then 
maybe we're just okay the wheels are spinning a little bit and you'll send a private message or you'll add a comment in there giving a little bit of feedback that helps me so it might not be upfront communication but you're identifying communication during the negotiation that says okay this is what we need to do to get the deal done yeah with i think what you brought up with john is a really good point being willing to be the first person to send an offer it's so big i honestly wonder how many trades i miss out on because like we've seen, you know, throughout our dynasty lives, everybody has, you see some trades go through and you're like, how was that possibly accepted? I mean, do you ever have any trades to your like, like I would dare send that to someone because I would just assume I would get yelled at for it. Like, <laughs> and then you see the trade go through and you're just like, wow, like I wish I just would have sent that. But I do wonder how many trades kind of get missed out on because there's just someone out there who likes, let's just say DeAndre Swift, right? And that's just their favorite player, but you don't know. And then all of a sudden someone offers them DeAndre Swift and they massively overpay for him. Like those are the trades that I think they're almost the unicorns out there. They're the ones that you want to find, but they're so hard to actually get done. And that's another great point because you mentioned being in some safe leagues now where you don't really know all of the owners mm -hmm. and, and we all like the safe leagues. I know you mentioned that on dynasty chill too, you know, cause there's a great opportunity. We're very active in dynasty. So we hop in these safe leagues. We know they're run by a great commissioner who's got a great product. So, but you don't know all those owners. So I think it's helpful to put out a lot of trades in them, especially. And that's where sometimes I do get in, in trouble and my, and my offer's not quite where it needs to be. But if I don't know the owner, I don't really know how he values his players. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he values my players. I don't know how his dynasty strategy is. Like when it comes to you, John, and a lot of the members of our Discord that we're chatting with, we get to know each other really well. So I kind of like maybe don't send offers as much, not because I'm not confident that we can make a trade, but I already know like I don't have what your roster needs right now or you don't have what I need. or like it, the, the, just, It's just the timing factor where those owners that I don't know as much I have more options because I don't really know where that negotiation is going to go. So I love blasting a lot of trades to, to, to owners, especially that I don't have that great relationship with. Yeah. And something when you're blasting out that, like a few trades in a specific league, I always like to leave room for a counter. And it's not like I don't want to send my best offer at first. It's just, I know everybody does like to counter or I say the vast majority of people like to counter and feel like they're getting something extra on the original trade. So on almost all of my trades I send out, I leave room. Like overnight, I send out Dynasty and Chill. I talked about getting Jalen Hurts and I was giving up a first and a second. So I went out. I didn't offer a first and a second on those first ones. I offered a first with the hope that whoever gets that would counter back with a second or something else. Now, almost all of those got declined. So none of those worked. But now tonight I'll go and do the first and the second and still be willing to add a little bit because I know that first wasn't enough. You're starting to get a feel for a market of a player you're going mm -hmm. after. And I know we're, we're primarily focusing on theory tonight, but let, let's just segue for a moment to players. I think you even tweeted today that, you know, you may be going after Jalen Hurts now. What is it? Because I didn't get through the entire pod yet. What is it that's got you thinking about Jalen Hurts? It's the sheer upside of him. It's... Like, I'm not a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles team at all. I don't think the general manager is good. Don't have any faith in the new head coach. Don't think the offensive line's very good. But th there has to be something about Jalen Hurts 
for a new coaching staff to come in when they had the very good draft pick and then they traded down. And so for them to trade down to me, that just means maybe Jalen Hurts has something that we don't see on the field, but maybe there's a locker room thing there that we just can't see. Because I don't know why you would trade down when this was the year of quarterbacks. And so to me, and then it's just his upside. We were talking about projections and there isn't a projection alive that won't have Jalen Hurts as a top 10 quarterback unless you haven't played 10 games. But it's really hard to do it because who says they're not going to be six and 10 and then he's, or sorry, six and 11, then he starts all the games. What if they go seven and nine? Or I guess it's seven to 10 now. These numbers are hard with a 17 game season, but they just have to be good enough to keep him on the field. And if that happens, He's going to score a lot of fantasy points. And I think if he's just good enough, there's a team like the Raiders who could pick him up and try to give him a starting job the following year. All right. I love the Hurst take. I did. You did see me bring up the I challenge. Did. I was challenge, worried. I was challenge, worried. Challenge flag. We got for a one challenge flag out tonight here with John Gunn. Start some controversy here. But like the Hurst take, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But, you know, we talked about just pegging teams where they are with a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So now, the Eagles, as much as I'm anti-Eagles, you know, I got the Cooper jersey back there. Can't, I don't even think about the Eagles. But their GM, and now, like, there's been some questions. The last couple of years have definitely been rocky. Somewhere somewhere along the Doug, end of the Doug Peterson path, they got off the rails. But before that, historically, they, they were making good moves. They built it up to a Super Bowl roster. They won. They did really well. So I don't want to peg management quite yet as okay. – being one of the worst. I think they've they've got a good body of work. You know, it's unless you're the Patriots, we've seen it. It's tough to maintain decade after decade and and go from there. The old line, that, that's where the challenge flag really flew out there. Last year they were putrid, but they were all injured. Like the, the like the entire line was injured. That is an intriguing offensive line this year because like everybody's back and healthy. And when that line's healthy, they do have a good core there that could produce. So let's say the stars are lined. Now, the head coach, the verdict's not out yet. I was very skeptical yeah. <laughs> um, with at the press conference. We remember doing our Eagles uh, preview in NFC East and whatnot. You know, he he wasn't the great, greatest public speaker out there. But I've been starting to hear, like, some positive things about him, you know, just from other coaches' opinions, players' opinions about him. So that's got to play out. But if the stars are aligned, and maybe it was just a Doug Peterson thing, we'll find out because that was one of the topics I heard on a podcast this week, you know, Will he be one of the next recycled coaches? He's got a Super Bowl win. But if this was just Peterson dysfunction and, you know, they got the coaching stabilized, the O-line's good, they got three number one draft picks, so they position themselves perfectly no matter what Hurts does. And to your point, if they just keep him on the field, he scores a lot of points this year. If they want to go in the different direction, he still may land somewhere good. Mm-hmm. So I think you've given the listeners, Mitch, a lot to think about with, with Jalen Hurts. And I just slowing the, the Eagles train down there. We got to see how that plays out because you never know in the NFC East. Yeah, that's very true. So we, we've broken down some trade ideas and thoughts tonight. And I think that that segues this into it as we're looking to make trades. You know, we're, we're lacking a little bit of news, but we asked the question, how do you attack the training camp news cycle? So talk to me, man. What, what, are you, what are you doing now, Mitch? What, what are you doing as this cycle's uh, in process here? So there's a thing. Everybody kind of in the fantasy space is kind of in crypto, too. They're in DFS and all the thing. And a big thing in crypto is you buy the rumor and you sell the news. 
And I think it kind of works with fantasy football as well. Like you hear rumors of things happening. If you could get the player at that price point, you're going to be good. Because once the news happens, that value is already going to be as high as it could be. And so an example I would say is, let's just bring up Michael Carter. Doesn't have anything to do if he's going to be good or not. But let's just say you have faith in him becoming the starting running back for that team. And there's rumors of it happening now. Um, Robert Sala came out and he said, hey, he looks good on third downs. He's going to look really good in pass protections. So let's say you go buy that rumor now. That price is going to be a lot less now than three weeks into training camp. All of a sudden, the Jets beat writers are going like, no, he's the locked-in starter. That's how it's going to be. That price is going to be so much higher. But if you buy him now, you could also trade him at that point if you don't have full faith that he's going to keep the job. So if you buying some of those rumors now and they hit, you could sell for double the price later. What I really liked that you said there was it matched up with a guy you like. And mm-hmm. I think that's an important piece for all of us in the dynasty community. Like, yes, we're all listening for those news. We're all trying to listen to some kind of nugget, but it's so early right now. Like even on Michael Carter, like he hasn't even put pads on yet. Yeah. We're not going to know until camp comes whether – the Jets are on them, and then if, they, if they're saying it, then to your point, then it's going to be really hard to get them. But like, let's just say my scouting report on Michael Carter is like I, I didn't like this guy going into the draft. Then he ended up in the fourth round, which we know know is bad, even though it's you know supplemental picks. It was borderline third round, whatever the case may be. But if I wasn't high on him, and then I hear like just a little bit of buzz, I'm not going to all of a sudden become high on him and just change my opinion. Because then I have no conviction. And I heard Scott Connor compliment your conviction, Mitchell. So I, I know you have that. But if on the flip side, if Michael Carter's a guy that I did like, and I'm here on Dynasty Theory saying that's my guy. Like for me, it would be Kadarius Tony or Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden's probably my, my Darden. biggest yep. sleeper example. I love Darlin, Darden going into the draft. Goes to Tampa Bay. I'm thinking, boy, he's got these Hall of Fame receivers that can mentor him. You know, one injury happens or something. Maybe he gets playing time sooner than, than later. But then all of a sudden, there's a beat around camp saying how good this kid's looking. Well, all right, they just solidified a stance that I had going in. And I think that's an important thing for listeners to have some conviction. If, you know, you have somebody you follow in the industry that's liked a guy, and then now you're hearing beat reporters repeating it, or if you're a film or an analytic guy and that guy makes sense, I think now would be the time, to your point, to take advantage of it. But don't just do it just because you heard somebody say it. Uh, have a little bit of substance behind it. And I would also say just, we're going to see highlight videos. We're going to see people make catches against nobody in the end zone. I can't remember. It happened with um, a Washington football team wide receiver two years ago. I don't remember. Might've been, was it Harmon? I don't remember who it was, but that was like the only play he made. And it was in training camp and he didn't do anything for the rest of the year. And, but everybody was so excited about it. There was one, uh, Detroit Lions running back. I want to say it was Javid Best. He had like one really good play against the Chargers in the preseason. It was a beautiful highlight. Everyone went out and grabbed him and he was like injured week two. And it's just <laughs> like, we're going to see really good highlights happen. Those are the ones that I'm completely staying away from because like I expect good highlights in training camp. Yeah, it's again, another good point. I mean, you've got to know the context behind that highlight. 
Like all these guys are the best athletes in the world. Yes. Even the guys that will never make our fantasy football rosters are the best of the best. This is like being in the Olympics. Like you are special if you're in the National Football League. You know, take for someone who, who gave every ounce of everything I had, but unfortunately, Mitch, you know, like just a couple inches too short, maybe, and a couple tenths too slow. Um, you know, I had some tryouts, but it is hard. So when you make it there, you're doing something special and you're going to make a play. But it doesn't count when it's like on air with nobody covering you in camp. It doesn't count when the O-line put it like it made a 10-foot hole that a bus could have fit through it and, and the linebackers, you know, missed his gap assignment. It, you know, you got to kind of know the context behind it. But if it keeps happening and then the head coach is kind of verifying and then, you know, there's draft capital invested or an injury opportunity, it's really about opportunities and volume. So keep those things in mind. But Mitch, one of the things that historically has drove me nuts is calculators. <laughs> like, 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 like I, I'm, I, I went into tonight's show. I said this was going to be an intervention. I even mm. went out tonight and spent 15 bucks. You know, I was messaging you earlier yeah. today, just, just because I, I want to be open minded for the listeners. You know, you, like I have some bold statements sometimes, but I want to be a team player and open minded. And, and I think that's the only way you get better in fantasy football is to be open minded. So. Talk to me about trade calculators. Do you care about them? How, how does this come into the equation? So I think, let's just say, I, I would say minimum 80% of the Dynasty community uses Dynasty Trade Calculator. Like if you send out a trade or someone sends you a screenshot of a trade calculator, it's almost always going to be T DTC. And so for that reason, that's why I have a membership because Everybody uses it. I want to know what values they're putting on players. I know we've mentioned in previous episodes kind of how to take advantage of different values here and there. Like in 2.0 tight end premium leagues, like that calculator just doesn't give enough to the tight ends. So if you know that and you go in and you offer a three player for three player trade, but you have a tight end coming back in your side, like those values don't match up. And so those are little things you can do, but I don't hate calculators. Like kind of my first years in Dynasty, I hated them because I didn't agree with them. But now I just kind of understand that they're part of the landscape and that's how it is. But like the calculator just doesn't have to match up because something that John made that spreadsheet to where for a calculator, but it's based on our projections. And it's going to tell you if trading player A for player B is actually going to help out your starting lineup. So that's something that's important to me because as a contender, I care more about my starting lineup than I do actual dynasty values. Like I'm willing to take a gamble on Mike Davis when most of the dynasty community is like, he's going to be out of the league next year. And he might be, but he also might help me make the playoffs this year. So I'm willing to take the gamble there where the calculator just can't take that to effect. Another polarizing name you mentioned, you know, Mike Davis. And as mm -hmm. I think about him, and I definitely in Dynasty, he's like a, a dinosaur, but he's in it really in his prime years. And if he starts and has a good year, I don't think he's going to be going anywhere necessarily. I mean, his value may not, you know, it's definitely capped, but, but to, you know, the Dynasty calculators, historically, I saved my money. You know, I just, it's always kind of been stored up in the mind in my mm -hmm. rankings, you know, look at your and John's analytics projections. Like there's enough data there where you do this daily. It's like, you just feel like, you know, the rosters, you know, yes. values, you know, what's kind of fair, just eyeballing trades. But 
I guess maybe I had the epiphany and it's an enjoyable thing about the off season. we always tell our listeners, we try to give as much advice as we have, like, what are you doing to better your game in the off season? And I just, I guess, realize, you know, I can't be that hard headed coach that like, just cause I don't like something, I can't do it. If the competition, the <laughs> if the competition's doing it, you, you gotta get on train. Analytics is a great one. Like mm-hmm. it's caught on in the national football league. Every team's using analytics in some way. Some owners and coaches may not be too keen on it, but they've recognized, Hey, if, 31 teams in the National Football League are doing it. We, we've got to keep up with this trend. So knowing that my competition is using it, Mitchell, I caved tonight. I spent 15 bucks for an annual subscription to the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Maybe, you know, that's, and they're not a sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. So that's, that's a free <laughs> plug and shout out for them. Uh, I might have to give up Dunkin' Donuts for a week there, you know, to afford this calculator. And, that's, and they're not a sponsor either, although I wish they were. That'd be um, nice. But, I, you know, I have identified some opportunities where – you know, I, I, maybe I could have made a better offer or used it. I think every year, Mitch, there's at least one or two trades too that I wish I could take back. You know, I just was too hasty or I responded too quick where I'm thinking maybe that calculator will slow me down a little bit and just analyze a little bit more and, and make sure uh, fair value is happening. So I've caved in. I've joined the dark side. I'm going to experiment with this trade calculator this offseason and for the year, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But I, I do think it's a good one, too. We talked about those owners that aren't as active, you know, that they're not following the everyday news. They don't like Twitter, maybe, whatever the case may be. Utilize the trade. It is a, it is yes. a very good tool. It's very simple, too. So, mm-hmm. so for anyone who's not embracing technology, I literally signed on tonight, put in a trade, having never used this calculator before and I didn't need instructions. It's almost like an Apple product, you know, three clicks or less and you're to where you got to go. Um, it, it couldn't get any more uh, dummy proof or user friendly than it was tonight. I was very pleased with that. Yeah. I'll say what really helps with calculators is future pick values because right now it's really hard to put a value on a player, but that at least will give you a baseline to go off of. And the really nice thing is once late December hits, those tra- trade calculators tra- change from a 2022 first into the 2022 103, the 2022 105. And with those, they're able to slot in kind of what player they think is going in that position and they could give a certain value to that draft pick. And I think that is huge for anybody who struggles to trade. Just having that trade calculator and being like, look, I could trade my first next year. I think it's going to be a mid pick. This is its value. And I mean, you could adjust it for if your league likes first round picks a lot, if they kind of don't like them a lot. And if you do that, at least gives you a decent baseline to go off of for your trades. Yeah, I like that point on the draft capital. You know, we get that as a common question, whether it be on the show in the comments or in the Discord. You know, how do you value these trades? How many number one picks to go for this guy? So the calculator could be a good use there, too. I'm going to play with the buttons here on the show tonight, mm-hmm. man. I might get a little crazy at the end here just to drive John nuts. I like it. Th- thoughts on KTC? I'm not familiar with that. Are you, mm-hmm. Mitch? Yeah, so that's keep, trade, cut. And so they give you three players, and you just choose if you want to keep, trade, or cut those players. And after you know, thousands and thousands of thousands people doing it, then all of a sudden they get a good baseline on where each player is ranked. And so I know a few people in our Discord really, really like it. And I actually think it's free if I remember right. So I think that's a good resource too, because what that's doing is that gives you the general dynasty, like populations consensus on a player. And so 
it's not something that I would use as my personal values, but it gives me an idea of like, hey, if I post this trade on Twitter, this is what I'm going to expect the results to be. I like that. I, t- I took a note there. You might have heard me. I, I was clicking my I pen. Didn't hear. That's so I, good. At the 32 minute mark, John, you hear that? This would drive John crazy, listeners. Oh, so, so he might have to go back and edit this uh, on vacation at the beach while he's having his uh, seltzer there. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, so hey, something to learn there. We got it's a good uh, analysis on calculators, KTC. Kyle, you just hopped on. You, mi- you missed the show, Kyle. You're going to have to listen back, all right? But well, thanks for hopping on here, man. We got some great listeners. Mitch, man, unless you got anything else, I think you're going to take us home. I think final thoughts. You were a little button happy there, man. You were saying this, this something, and then you so, hit it. Yeah, I, I'm not used to having control. Like John usually does it, and he cuts us both off anyway. So I think it yeah. kind of fits. So, so what you're saying for our listeners here is John has control issues and um, we don't know how to behave tonight. It's been known to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we should have a D I, I wore a DFS shirt tonight. Easily I do like that Pete. shirt. It's a good shirt. I'm hoping re- your final thought involves DFS to be honest with you. Hmm, I could change it. You know, I'll give my- you a minute. So I will give you mine real quick and I'll give you, you time to think about yours. Fair enough. So talking about trades, I just want to give you this little tip in startups. Everybody likes trading back in the first. And I think the people that I've seen do it and do it really well is as soon as those the draft order gets sent out on MFL or on Sleeper, as soon as that gets out, you immediately go in and you send a trade offer to the 11 other people in the league. You try to move your first for whatever you feel like is fair behind it. But you don't send it to one person. You don't wait for one person to say, hey, I want to move up. You just spam those trades the whole league. A lot of times there'll be instant rejections. Hey, I'm not looking. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for that. But all you need is that one counter. You get that one counter. You're like, okay, I have something to work with here. So that's something in startups. If I'm looking to trade back, I'll do that in all of those leagues. I like that advice. You know, so does our listeners. They see they're getting quality advice without JB tonight. Oh, JB, you're going to get me back so bad, I'm sure, when you watch this. But that's okay. I'm taking my chances. But I do like that advice. And that goes back to our active trading advice that that we gave earlier, you know, blasting those trades out. Mm-hmm. It only takes one, man. So you're getting me fired up to make some more trades. And my, my final thoughts, Mitch, man, is just I'll just touch on trades because my actual final thought was just remember fantasy football is a fun game. I, I think, you know, that gets lost sometimes in the league chat, especially league owners that don't know each other as well as we do and, and the crew in the discord that just razzes each other all the time. You know, keep it that way when it comes to trades. Don't take things personal. Make counters. Get a calculator, as we said tonight, you know, to help you overcome any off-season studying you haven't done. And, you know, when when you have a life unlike, you know, John, Mitch, and myself, you know, we got too much time on our hands, I guess. But uh, DFS thought of the night, Mitch, man, is week one. It's not that far away, all right? I'm starting to think about contest selection a little bit more. That's going to be a careful piece for me i'm going to be talking about this a little bit more on coach's corner in in the upcoming weeks i know justin from uh, father son pod wants to do a show again we'll see uh but really strategizing about this year you know and i think there is a tie-in between dynasty and dfs Mm because you know all that grind that we've done managing our rosters all off season when it comes to week one dfs we have our pulse on depth charts who should get reps volume projections and so forth but I get so hyped week one, Mitch, that it's like normally like not always my best week. Like I think I know more than mm-hmm. I do. And then like I lose all my money and then 
I got to recover. And then week two on is, is where I start making profit. So I'll be looking for some week one advice as we go, man. Hopefully in the Discord, we'll be having some good conversations and we can really start getting a dive on what week one's going to look like. So I really man. like that, man. Because week one, mm. my bankroll management isn't management. It's just like, hey, I can enter one more contest and then one more. And then it just spirals down from there. So week one is it's the best week for DFS. But by Monday night, you're either really happy or you're not happy at all. <laughs> hey, we got to make it good this year. We definitely got to figure that out, man. But uh, I guess we're closing now, man. I even think about the closing tonight. I'm not used to this. But I guess just a thank you to our listeners. You know, we appreciate everybody tuning in to Dynasty Theory every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. Uh, we catch our man, Dino MC, Mitchell Sorensen, on Twitter there. Mitch, any final thoughts other than the final thoughts on your that end? That was or- perfect, man. We're out of here, man. Follow me, FF Coach Dan, on Twitter. We love you guys, and uh, make sure everybody tweets, likes, follows this last episode. Give us five-star reviews, anything you can to make this the best episode ever without John Bauer, just for the sake of razzing him. Thank you, and have a good night.